All right, speaking of saying hi, I'm saying hi to my friend, Rick Essenberg, president of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Happy holidays, Rick. Same to you, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I always enjoy our conversations. You and I have talked a lot about these these uh, trials that are facing the former president. And I said a couple conversations ago that I thought some of these decisions would go to the U.S. Supreme Court. And now they are they are looking at deciding on two issues primarily. One is the, the idea of presidential immunity. And the other one is obstruction of justice. I don't, I don't care which one you start on. But um, these are big, big issues that Im- impact all those other cases. What do you think? Uh, right. Right. So, so the immunity issue has to do with the circumstances under which the president can be prosecuted for actions that he took while he was president uh, within the scope of his duties in some way. And we don't have a lot of past cases that address that because we haven't had many presidents who have been accused of committing some type of crime. And so... Uh, we're really dealing on brand new uh, turf here. Uh, the trial judge in the Trump case rejected his claims of immunity. He came in and he said that anything that he did while he was president, which was in the term he used, was the outer area of his responsibilities, he cannot be prosecuted for. And trying to make sure that the election was fair and, and you know the ballots were properly counted, et cetera, et cetera, as he Quincy is doing, uh, falls within those outer areas. She rejected that. She says he doesn't get immunity for committing a crime. And the uh, uh, the Trump uh, people, Trump, Trump has appealed that. It's before the Court of Appeals. But now Jack Smith has gone up to the U.S. Supreme Court and done something that um, rarely ever happened. It has happened a couple of times. Uh, he's asked the court to exercise its power to grant certiary before judgment. And all that means is the Court of Appeals hasn't done their work. They haven't come up with a decision. There's no verdict in the Trump case. But they're saying it's so important that you have to decide whether or not uh, immunity applies here uh, right away so that we'll know whether this case can proceed. And it's an inter- and the Trump lawyers responded, and they said, "Oh no, don't don't rush on this. You take your time. This is an important question. This is a difficult question. Because obviously, what what the what what the Trump wants to do is he wants to um, delay the obstruction of justice trial, uh, pass the election if he can, and Smith wants it to. It's currently scheduled on March fourth. It doesn't look like that's going to happen now, but." He wants it to go as quickly as possible so that it can be wrapped up prior to the election. Well, I mean, what do you think on this? The, the Supreme Court is the ultimate court, right, in the state, in the uh, in the country. They they make those final decisions. We saw it in Bush versus Gore. Is this the place where these decisions should be decided, or should it have to go through that lower court process? Well, ultimately, it should be, but but there is a certain presumption. Uh, that in this, the presumption is stronger in the federal system than we say in the state system here in Wisconsin, that cases go through the lower courts before they get up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, they do 99% of the time or more in Wisconsin, it's true. But the Wisconsin Supreme Court has more ability to take the case originally than the U.S. Supreme Court has. And it's very unusual for the U.S. Supreme Court to 
intervene and stop a prosecution. But maybe this is the kind of case where, uh, yes, it's a criminal case. There's questions of the innocence or guilt of a particular person. But there's also really significant public ramifications. And maybe we don't want the 2024 presidential election to uh, to proceed um, with this cloud of uncertainty hanging over it. And so may, maybe the maybe the court needs to get to this quickly. The other one, of course, is obstruction of justice. And this one doesn't just involve the January 6th case, but it also involves all those individuals who have been not only charged, some convicted, some still awaiting their trials uh, related to that day. Uh, how does that one go through the Supreme Court? What do you think they're going to do with that? Well, that one I think is more usual to go to the Supreme Court because, that, because that's a case where, if I recall correctly, the defendant was this, – this, this is not a Trump case. This is a case that involves uh, some uh, people who were charged with conduct on January 6th. But it does have implications for Donald Trump because one of his charges, I believe, on the January 6th case. Yes, it does have. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yep. The question there and the, you know, the guy's been convicted. Uh, the question there is uh, he was convicted under statute that uh, makes it unlawful to obstruct an official proceeding. And because of the way the statute is structured, there's a question as to whether or not you have to use, I believe it's a, a record document or object in obstructing an official proceeding. And it's out of the Sarbanes-Axley Act, and is really talking about falsifying documents. And this guy was, I, I take it that he was somebody who was emailing people about, you know, Trump doesn't get in, we need to get to war, and that kind of thing. And so um, the, the, the question is, you know, does, 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 this, does he have to have this, they have to point to this object, record, or document? And if that's true, if the court concludes that, that that is the way the statute is to be read, then uh, at least two of the counts in the January 6th case against Trump would be called into question. Not all of them, but two. Using your legal scholarship, looking at those two questions, immunity, obstruction of justice, do you think the outcome, this is just speculation, but you've been around these, these, these kinds of cases in Wisconsin and, and you've ta- certainly talked to legal scholars around this country, is this a good news development for, for the former president or bad news? Well, I think at, at this point, uh, I, I think that, 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 that the Trump team has to be thinking that delay is their friend. I mean, there's it, just a huge irony here because I think that the Democrats have been working for a long time to advance Trump as the Republican nominee. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying there's a grand conspiracy, but I think that they... Many, many Democrats felt it was in their interest to do that because they realized that Trump is probably the only guy that can beat. Now, if you look at the opinion polls, it looks like they can't even beat him. That you know, Biden as a candidate is that weak, and if that holds up, uh, their strategy is going to have to have backfired in a way that they're going to find particularly galling. So, I think Trump wants delays. With the feeling that, you know, the longer this goes on, if he gets nominated, if he gets elected president, you know, nobody is going to throw him in jail. And if somebody tries to do it, he can pardon himself. And, I, I, you know, I think he wants delay. I think Smith wants to get this case to trial, uh, you know, because he thinks if he can get it to a jury, he'll win. Because I respect your opinion. And uh, take your attorney hat off. As a, as a voter, as a citizen of the United States, 
Should we have a reasonable expectation that when we are deciding on who to vote for President of the United States next year, these cases should be determined or at least at a point where we can make a informed decision? Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, Steve, and I have an opinion that's very, very qualified. I think there are real problems with some of these prosecutions. Not that Trump didn't do bad things, he did, but they're probably not criminal or can't be prosecuted because of constitutional protection. But I do think it's important that we not have this uncertainty hanging over the election. Uh, I, I think people need to know whether or not their choices are, you know, include someone who is, you know, about to be, you know, convicted and sentenced to prison. And so I, I, I think, well, I think in some senses, three out of these four cases, I don't think ever should have been brought. But, uh, but, but, but if they're, if you have cases moving forward, then I guess we need to know what's going to happen. Rick Esselberg, our guest, he's the president of Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. If you can hang on through the break, there was a big decision made by the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, declining to do something, I guess is the more specific way to say that. Um, and I want to ask you about the, the win for advocates of the private school voucher program in the state of Wisconsin. Rick Essenberg, our guest, we are broadcasting live from the Century Albrecht's Delafield Markets. You don't know where it is. It's exit 287 on 94. We have a cash box if you want to donate to Kids to Kids Christmas so you can see a lot of 20s in there. Well done, all of you. We have a big bin for your New unwrapped toy donations, so if you want to drop those off, I'll be here till noon today. Come out and say hi. We'll take a break here on WTMJ Now. Right now, we'll be back after this. We wish you the merriest, the merriest. Oh, my special guest, Rick Esselberg, has been very patient waiting on the line, and I wanted to at least have a little bit more conversation with him. The Wisconsin Supreme Court yesterday declined to hear a liberal lawsuit that would have ended Wisconsin's decades-old private school voucher program. I know that my friend Rick Esselberg was very vested in that decision. So what do you think, Rick? Is this the end of that, or is it going to go down to lower courts? What's going to happen here? Well, it, it, it can be resolved in lower court. So, so what, what happened here is the Supreme Court dismissed the petition for original action. Most original actions are not accepted by the court uh, uh, because they are disfavored. And it, it's certainly possible now for the petitioners to, you know, go to some circuit court in some county somewhere. It would probably be used to go to Dane for obvious reasons, and mm-hmm. uh, and and refile the case. The, the problem is that um, that's a, a tremendous commitment of, of of resources. It's a long slog through the lower courts. One of the reasons that I think that the um, the, the court might have rejected, and certainly an argument that we made to them in opposing the position, was that this is just too factually complicated. And in order to get into, um, you know, the vagaries of school finance, you need expert witnesses. This is, they have to be paid. Lawyers have to do a lot of work. It all amounts to lots of money. I'm not sure the petitioners really have those funds. And uh, uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. Um, has, I would has, not assume that it's going to be refiled. Has the, the, has the topic or the conversation about use of public funds for private schools been in front of the U.S. Supreme Court? I, I don't know the answer to that, and you probably do. Yeah, twice. In the, in the 90s, when the choice program was started, uh, this issue came before the Wisconsin Supreme Court twice, and both times the program was upheld. On its face, 
there's so many things swirling around politics now and in, 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 uh, in, in the legal system, obviously, with the Trump trials being front and center. Uh, I, I raised this question to you on social media, and then you responded, and I responded back. We, we often are surprised by Supreme Court justices, both in our states and at the, at the U.S. Supreme Court level. And I think sometimes, this is just my opinion, I just, I'm curious what you think about it, the, the idea that we expect judges to act in a certain way, whether they're conservative or liberal or whatever they are. And I took some solace, because I'm not a fan of that per se, I'm more a fan of the law, that the court was unanimous in its decision yesterday. Does that give those who think like me hope? Well, I mean, they may have done it for different reasons, right? I mean, they didn't explain why there were no separate writings, so we can only speculate. I don't. I, I, I think it should give you some hope, in the sense that I, it, it, this wasn't a hard case. Rejecting uh, uh, this petition was not hard. It is a horrible case, and, and I have probably done more original actions than any lawyer in the state, uh, and I know what. It can be an original action, and what's problematic as an original action. This is a horrible case to have as an original action before the U.S. Supreme Court. It is also a case that has almost no merit and was very, very poorly presented. And so I'm not surprised that they didn't take the case. But the thing about it is there are liberal judges and there are conservative judges. There are people who, you know, I look at them and I can tell you, how they're likely to approach a particular issue. But the thing that you have to keep in mind, and this is what I mentioned to you on social media, is that they're all lawyers. And that imposes a certain discipline on you. Uh, there are certain ways that you can justify things, and there are certain ways that you cannot justify things. And uh, I think that, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, I think that the justices were acting in a lawyerly way here, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I love the way you frame that both on social media and on the show today. I always appreciate your wisdom and your chance to share it on the show. Rick Esselberg, president of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Have a great holiday, and we'll talk again. Yep, take care. You too.